Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Chris Norwell. Chris Norwell has a large resume of stuff that we can run down, including the host of the Real Estate Money School Podcast. He is from the show Risky Builders on HGTV. He is the CEO of Flip Out Academy, founder of the Money School. He is a money mentor for the Money Multiplier. He is the author of the Private Money Guide and also a brand new author of Mapping Out, what's the? Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery. Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery, another author as well, um, as well as, which I think is, is fascinating, a former pro snowboarder. You got it. Lots <laughs> of broken bones to prove that one. I love that, man. So, you know, one of, one of the first things I always like to ask is, how did you go from being somebody who's chasing an extreme sport and living that type of lifestyle? What attracted you to real estate or just doing something different as, as a whole? You know, I come from a background of um, boxing and jujitsu, but I find that people do anything that's that sort of extreme sports that want to just do it and train all day. The lifestyle of having the freedom to train all day or practice all day or hit the slopes all day really translates well to being an investor because you can kind of have your free time. But it's always interesting to see how do people wind up getting pushed down that path. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about your journey of how you went from there to where you are today. Sure. I mean, as a kid, you know, I was always an extreme sports kid. I, I didn't grow up in a family that had a lot of money. Actually, quite the contrary, very, very lower, lower middle class family. But uh, my mom, who mostly raised me, always taught me to dream big and never allowed me to take and focus on money and the things we didn't have. She always said, focus on the things that we do and make the best of them. So I was big into BMX when I was a kid. And then I, from there, got really big into skateboarding from skateboarding, started snowboarding. And, and once I found snowboarding, I found my love and snowboarding played into dirt biking and everything else we were doing. And coming from Buffalo, New York, you know, being a, a professional snowboarder, quote unquote, that was not something that could ever happen because Buffalo is not known for snowboarding. It's known for a lot of snow, but not the Mecca for snowboarding. And it's all I wanted. And I did everything everybody else was unwilling to do every weekend, drove to Vermont, drove to New Hampshire just to compete every weekend and hop back in the car Sunday after competing, drove all the way home. Thank God I never fell asleep. We almost did die one time. We crashed uh, a sob underneath a semi, just in case you guys don't know, sobs are absolutely one of the strongest car is built and I can prove it because the semi truck didn't kill us. So that was uh, some of the stories, but I did end up becoming a pro snowboarder. But during this journey of being a pro snowboarder, when I was 16, I, I had an awful job, you know, and I've, I've been working on farms since 14, but at 16, I worked at a restaurant where they degraded me so badly that I literally came home every single night after work thinking I was useless and I couldn't do anything. And one day I decided to muster the courage to say, I quit. And at that point, I realized I didn't realize it, but I, I quit trading hours for dollars. And I came home and I said, Mom, I quit my job thinking she was going to be really mad. And I said, but I, but I want to open a clothing line in the basement. I want to start a T-shirt line. And that's exactly what I did. $500 loan from the local credit union. And I started my own clothing line called Fat Clothing Company when I was, what was I, 15? I was 16 when I did that. 
and it was PHAT, just so you guys know. And I ran that uh, business for a long time, but this year two, I had four seamstresses working under me and I was traveling around trying to become a pro snowboarder. I was an amateur at the time and I would sell my clothes to all the shops that were putting these events on. And every one of these shop owners were so cool. I'll never forget the impact these guys had on me. They were just like, you know, lifestyle guys They had their shop, which was their world. They went snowboarding, which was their world. It was like everything I'd embodied and wanted in my life. So that began my next dream. And I, that's what I did. I mean, I, I almost didn't happen, but I came up with the idea with some friends to start Fat Man Board Shops, P-H-A-T, which was fat clothing and, you know, I was the man, so why not combine the two? So we put the thing together and I needed 70 grand. Now, this is that that time in my life where I realized I didn't come from a family with money and I had no one that had money. So that dream almost died with lots of no's, hell no's, absolutely nots. And then my mom, who watched this whole thing unfold and almost watched my dream die, she who had nothing in her in, the, in her life, but she had the house that she got in the divorce. She put her house up on the line so that I could basically get a line of credit and and start Fat Man Board Shops. And at that time, that was, you know, it was a dream to me, but it was the stupidest thing she could have ever done, putting her house up on the line so her crazy punk snowboard kid could start his shop. But that's where Fat Man Board Shop started. And Fat Man is still in existence today. I don't own it. I sold it in 2010, but it's, it's a thriving skate snowboard shop. And those roots are what made me the man that I am today because at, you know, 17 when that store started, and at 17, I had the weight of my mom's house on my shoulders. So I didn't exactly have a regular teenage life. My teenage life was that of being an entrepreneur and learning how to be a business owner through trial and error and lots of failures. So during that, you know, everything was going great. I, I went on to be a pro snowboarder. The shops were thriving. And then in the early 2000s, you guys all remember, or some maybe don't, the planes hit the towers. Now, when the planes hit the towers, I'd never seen a recession. I didn't even know what that meant. But I very quickly learned that that meant business goes down quickly and things got really tough. And I started thinking, okay, I'm going to, I had four stores. I was over leveraged. I was under knowledge and, and I had to figure something out. So I, I had to get a job and I was either going to deliver pizzas or I was going to do something different. And that's what landed me in the financial world. I actually got a re sent my resume out and I got hired by a financial company, which is, was supposed to be a temporary thing, but I ended up actually loving it. And I was really good at it. And that's, uh, that's where it all started. That was in uh, 2003 when that happened. And, and I never left the, uh, the money business after. I did retire as a, a high-level financial advisor, Wall Street, you know, a lot of people say stockbroker, Wall Street advisor, whatever you want to call it. I managed lots of money for a lot of big firms. And I sold my practice in 2018 when I got the show on HGTV with my wife because they said, you're either going to be on TV or you're going to be a financial advisor, make your decision. I said, nice day to you. I'm going to go be on TV. I sold my practice. And uh, that's kind of where the story starts, man. That's amazing. I, I love that. And, you know, I, I always tell people that support is such a big deal. I know people that come from money and they get no support and people that just come from support that didn't have money. And that's a little bit how it was for my parents too. So just having the, the family at home who believes you and is willing to put it out on the line for you. I think that that's, that's an amazing thing. So that, that's awesome, man. Kudos to you for sure. Thank um, you. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask too is, you know, I was just having this conversation about everybody needs a little bit of a reset. So one of my other friends said, you know, I have this new baby and every night I put it down for bed and it's like shutting off your iPhone and she wakes up in the morning and it, it's like she uploaded all these new features because we got to reset her. And then she uses this word or she says these things. He's like, 
So every day we're excited to wake her up to see like what new things were programmed into her hard drive. And that reset I have found for me has, has turned into jujitsu, but other guys, my neighbor was a professional skateboarder and just having something that you go to that you need to be paying attention to at all times for that hour or two hours or half hour or whatever it is. Cause if you don't, you're falling off the cliff, you're, you're breaking bones, you're getting choked, whatever. On the days that I feel like I most can't go cause I'm, I'm so crazy or some deals going south or whatever it is, I make myself go. And then I feel like the fact that I'm, sh- I'm forced to shut my brain off and not think about it, it gives me that reset. And then when I come back and I shower, Whatever wasn't getting done before or I couldn't figure out before, I have a brand new clarity of it, a whole new vision of it, and I just feel better because I got that reset. My hardware has been upgraded. Um, Was that snowboarding for you, and is that still snowboarding for you? Because it looks like you're doing so many different things with finance and real estate. Where do you get to really unplug and set your brain and, and, and really get that reset for yourself? Well, I've never stopped snowboarding and I've never stopped getting hurt snowboarding. I just got hurt uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I still think that I'm 17 years old on the slope. So I, I line up to those jumps on a nice sunny day and man, the, the old me comes back. And, you know, I, not that I still can't do the same tricks, but sometimes they, the crashes, they hurt a little bit more. So I, I've been hurt the last two years. I've been hurt <laughs> twice. Both uh, last year was really serious. This year wasn't so serious, but um, I'm still on the hill. And that is it, when I'm there. I snap back into the old me and I realize who I am and I realize why I, I love being on the hill. And it's just, I'm the only, it's me versus the jump. It's me versus the rail. There's no one else. There's no team. There's no staff. It's just go and get it. And whatever you want, you can have, it's just all up to your creativity and, and how far do you want to push it? And I tend to push it too far even still, but the other thing that gets me that clarity and it's probably my favorite thing in the world to do is surfing. And I'm, I'm fortunate, well, I was before we got quarantined, but I was fortunate, you know, that I travel around the country all year long, speaking on stages with people like Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, uh, teaching people how money really works, the secrets of the wealthy and, you know, showing them how to map out the millionaire mystery. But in doing that, I always try to find and carve out at least one morning to jump in and paddle around and get some waves. You know, I got friends in California and just about everywhere. So I, when I'm coming, I'm like, Hey, do you got an extra board? Can you grab me a suit? And we're out in the water. And, uh, that gets me clarity, like nothing else. There's, there's just nothing I can describe to being in the water, just looking out into the, the vast ocean, listening to the gulls, hearing the waves crashing behind you. It's just peace and serenity. And that right there is what really gives me my, my clarity. That's amazing, man. I have heard that a lot of, a lot of the jiu-jitsu community is very big into surfing and they all say the same thing. Like, man, you got to get up early. You got to hit the waves. And I do know whatever it is that people are passionate about. Um, I'm sure you probably don't get as much of it anymore, but people will say to me like, Hey, I see you're traveling all over and you know, you're, you're training in San Francisco with this guy or San Diego with this guy or Texas with this guy. And that sounds great and all, but I don't want to get up at four 30 in the morning and go train before I'm speaking all day. And I'm like, I don't want to either. Do you think like when that alarm goes off, I'm like, yes, let's go, you know, to the beach at four 30 in the morning. You don't, but everybody has the same 24 hours in the day. And you, that's what you do. If you love something, you make the time for it and you, you work around it. And I feel like just having that, that push to, to not hit the snooze button and to make the time to do the things you love and to have the discipline to, to cover your financing and learn all these different things is really the difference between people that talk about being successful and the people that actually are. Has that been something that you've always had 
being able to get up early, make the time for surfing, have the discipline to obviously take care of your finances and get that mentorship and learn about real estate and all these different things? Or was there an event sometimes I, I see people that something bad happened or it was forced there? And has it just always been part of who you are? Or is that something you developed over time? I'd say it's a developed thing. I, I mean, I can take it back as I don't know if there's any relation, but I was really big into karate when I was a young, young kid and, you know, got all the way to a black belt. So there's a lot of discipline in karate, just like, you know, jujitsu and, and the different disciplines. So, I mean, I've always been an early riser. I worked on a farm at 14. Uh, my best friend's dad owned a farm. And, I, you know, if I wanted money to buy my dirt bike tires or put gas in it, I, I had to work. And, and I always I never thought of it as work. I literally thought of it as I'd get up super early before the sun was out. I'd, I'd ride my dirt bike to work, which was a long ride, but it was the most just awesome thing to do on the trees when they smack you in the face. I know that doesn't sound fun to people, but like I was just a kid and like drive down there at 14 and we'd be doing tomatoes or potatoes or pumpkins. Didn't matter what we were doing. I just, I got to be outside and that then I got, you know, we got like 250 an hour I started at. And I think when I finished, I was making like 450 an hour, but it wasn't about the money. It was just what the money did. And the money put gas in my dirt bike tank so that after I got done working at noon, when it was too warm, we had a dirt bike track behind the fruit stand and we'd just go rip our bikes. And that was, that was like, what did it for me? And getting up early to work on a farm, I think never left me. I've always been an early riser. Even today, you know, a lot of people hate getting up early to go to work. I, I can't even sleep. I get so excited when I'm up. I'm like, Oh my God, I get to do this, this. Now I love what I do. I get to really help people. And you talked about reset buttons. You know, we just hit a whole reset button in the world. The world as we knew it will never be the same because of what we're going through at this present point, this coronavirus uh, and everything that's happening here. The reset button has been hit. So when that reset button got hit, I had my calling. And I don't know what your, your religious beliefs are, but I truly believe that I got what they would call a divine download because the things that I know up here from all the, you know, from all my background, from being in money for so long, from doing 200 plus flips and borrowing money from private lenders and being a private lender, all the things that I know, I basically know how to teach people how money really works and how to have money work for them and how to most importantly take back control of their money. Our whole lives, we've been lied to about money. Even when I was an advisor, I, you know, everything I was doing for clients, not, our, not everything, but a lot of it, I didn't know any better, but it was just a big lie, as I call it. We're taught to give up control of our money our entire lives. We don't even know we do it, but we do. We give up control. And then the circumstances that happen because we give up control of that are exactly what just happened. But what else do we give up control of? We give up control of a lot, you know, and, and that's the stuff that now I do. I get to teach people the principles that they've never been taught. Now, I can't help everybody, you know, because not everybody's willing to get help, you know, and, and money is something that people are still like, I don't want to talk about money. Well, if you don't want to talk about money, I can't talk to you and I can't help you. But the people that do, I'm changing their lives. I save people tens of millions of dollars in this crash because I predicted this a year, a year ago. And people said I was crazy. They said, dude, why are you out of the market? Why aren't you in the market? You're an advisor. You know, you, you know, you know how to do this. You could be making a ton of money. I said, yeah, but sitting on the top of the mountain, being out of the market, the clarity and sitting at that very top of that mountain, looking out over the clouds, watching the sun come up and watching the sun go down and not having to worry about what's going to happen next. There's, there's, there's clarity in that. Not only is there clarity, it's just smart because Warren Buffett says buy low, sell high and don't lose money. Well, you can't not lose money if you don't sell and if you don't buy buy low. So I just chose to get out. I gave up 
probably 15% in gains. And then, you know, some people would have said, dude, that's nuts. You gave up 15% by sitting on the sidelines. Now I knew how to make my money work for me on the sidelines. But the one thing that I also now point out and make very clear is although I gave up 15% because I wasn't being greedy and I, I knew something, okay. I just knew how to follow patterns. How fast did the market shed 10 to 15% this time? I can tell you in a day, a day, what I gave up for one year took one day for people to lose. Like, where's the clarity in that? Like, you know, it's, that's what I mean. We're, we're led off the edge of a cliff and we have been our whole lives. We don't even know. We just accept this is the norm. That is not the norm. It is lack of financial knowledge that people don't have what they need and they don't have control. So going back to snowboarding, I was always in control as a snowboarder, just like you with your discipline, you're always in control. It's just you. So that parallel that this is the first time on a podcast I've ever talked about this, but that parallel being self-employed at a young age of not having anybody to bail me out because I didn't come from any money. If I failed, I lost my mom's house to being a skateboarder and a snowboarder and in a dirt bike rider. You know, all those are individual sports that re revolve around you being in control of every single thing that happens to you. When I got hurt in snowboarding, that was because I screwed up because I didn't think because I went too fast because I something I did only me. I couldn't sit there and say, well, the quarterback didn't give me the ball. That's why we lost the game. It was because I did something wrong. And I learned from that. And everything in my life has been a reflection of that. And that's probably why I'm so adamant now in these times when I know so much about how to change people's entire futures. And if this moment right now, this reset button, this crisis, this economic collapse literally gives us all the ability to hit reset, be on the same playing field and figure out how do we change the rest of our financial futures? How do we change the financial futures for not just our families, but our kids' families? Because I'll tell you something right now, what's happening right now, people don't realize this, but what's happening right now has the ability to change every one of our lives, but it's only going to change your life in one of two ways. And that's based on what you view this as. Do you view this as an obstacle or do you view it as an opportunity? Because there is no in-between. There is a firm line in the sand. This is either going to be an obstacle for you or it's gonna be an opportunity. And those that see this as an obstacle, might as well just lay down in the sand right now and you're gonna get run over. Those that see this as an opportunity, this moment right now will define everything for the rest of your life because nothing, nothing will ever be the same after this. And I, I say that the same way I told people to get out of the market a year ago. And the same way I told people to get out of the market and to start protecting their assets, you know, three months ago or even a month ago, I, I, my story never changed. And my story is not going to change because this digital revolution, this podcast and all the trainings you're seeing, life will never be the same after this. It is changing. Just like taxi cabs will never be the same after Uber and Uber was founded in 2009. What companies are going to come out of this collapse? What changes that will change the rest of our lives are going to come out of this collapse? It could be your idea that's in your head. It could be anyone's idea. It's just, is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? And once you figure out that it's an opportunity, are you in control of your money? Man, I think that that's brilliant stuff. And you, you brought up so many different points there that we can go on so many different avenues with. But one of the ones that I think people really need to understand is a lot of people became a dinosaur overnight in this business when this stuff started to happen. And I've always used the analogy because I, I, I meet a lot of people that have been investing for three, four, five, six years, and they're killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it. One of the things I really liked about your story was I know you've been doing finance and investments and things for over 20 years now. So a lot of investors that I see that have been doing well, they've never had to readjust or reset. There hasn't been, a, they, it's only been good for them. So 
the the thinning of the herd, so you so to speak, I think is interesting to watch how people are taking that because a lot of people that came off very strong minded that thought this is my business plan, this is how it's always going to be, this is how it's always going to go. Now we're going to be forced to adapt, and and like the blockbuster video Netflix, you know, this is just because you did it that way for thirty five years and you were the best ever doesn't mean that you never have to change your business model because if you don't adapt, you become extinct. And I think we're going to see a lot of extinctions because again, I met more people that when they were able to take on good deals and not just buy things at the height when it was all good and everybody was getting low interest rates and easy money, the cash flow from those good assets carried them through regardless if the value of their assets actually went down. And I think it's going to be an amazing time because there really was more wealth built during the recession than there was when things were, were good. So anybody that's been investing and watching has been in, expecting this to happen. And again, I, I couldn't have said it was going to be because of the coronavirus, but we were no, definitely me neither. overdue for that. So I did want to get your take on investing and some of the similarities and some of the differences between when the market turned last time to how it is now and the importance you're seeing in diversifying from you know, different things like stocks and real estate. I'm a big believer in real estate, but obviously putting all your eggs in one basket, like you said, with snowboarding was maybe not the best thing to do. So what are some of the things you're seeing and some of the adaptations you're finding you need to do or investors need to do to stay relevant through this hard time? That's a great question. And the one thing I didn't mention in my story is, is that in 2008, I was one payment away from being bankrupt. So I was in a big real estate development deal on a strip mall and the bottom fell out from underneath me. And so, you know, one of the things I always tell people is the biggest problem in this country is what Will, Will Rogers says. He says the problem in America is not what people don't know. The problem in America is what people think they know that just ain't so. You just you just said something to that. So many people thought they had it all. They thought they had it figured out. They got the Lamborghini. They got the big house. They got all these things. Maybe now they don't have it figured out. So there's a lot that can be said about that. And the biggest thing I will say is the history always repeats itself. So I'm a I'm an avid studier of history and primarily in the money space. I mean, I read books constantly and I study patterns. That's all I was trained to do as an advisor is study patterns. So if we go all the way back to the Great Depression, we start looking at every single recessionary period. There are patterns, very predictable in patterns that you literally could sit there and you could almost time out. This is the first one that really was out of pattern. It was 11 years instead of seven for this particular recession, which should have been thrown off the, the bells. But back in, I'm just going to go back to 2008 and nine, that recession. Okay. That was a doozy, but it was a recession created by greed. First and foremost, most are, or an event, greed or an event, 2000s. That was an event. Planes hit the tower, war, you know, terror. Then this, you know, 2008 was more because it was the banks failing. It was greed and housing collapsed. That was an awful one. I was an advisor and an entrepreneur during that. And I learned more during that recession about what I did wrong. And I did everything wrong. I stayed invested like everybody told me, oh, just ride it out, invest for the long haul. That doesn't work first off. So any of you that are in this environment right now, unless you can literally afford to lose another 50%, you need to really consider whether riding it out is really of your best interest. And I get in this argument a lot with high level advisors and I, because they're saying, well, they'd be better off riding it out. And I say, absolutely false. That is, a, that is a false perception and the numbers prove it over and over. Well, I have the numbers right here. No, you don't have the correct numbers because you're not showing what the parallel is. If somebody were to have gotten out of the market and waited it out at the top of the mountain and then just decided when to buy back in, you can't time the markets. So, so a lot of times in 2008 and nine, we thought we could time the markets. We were trying to figure out where's the bottom. When do we buy in? 
When you do that, you lose. There's no timing the market, but there is timing the patterns. You can absolutely time patterns and you can do things smart. And the first thing I will say that the, the parallels that we can see happening that happened in 2008 and 2009, the same parallels that happened in the early 2000s, and then let's 1987, because that's an important one. That was another event-based crazy recession, one of the worst ones in the 80s that was bad. So if you combine all those, what are the similarities? Well, the similarities right now are the markets. Well, this is too similar to 2008, the markets are shedding values faster than ever. 2008, we thought that went quick. Folks, in two weeks, the markets pretty much gave back or took away all the gains you would have made in 11 years since 2008. How crazy is that? Well, what people don't understand is everything's computerized and it works like a circuit breaker. Picture dominoes, lay, line up a ton of dominoes on your, on your table. And you guys know how dominoes work, right? The first one goes down and then they all go down. It's very difficult to stop them. You'd have to take one of them out and then it's still probably not going to be enough. Well, this, re this collapse right here is because of that. The first domino was the coronavirus. And then the fear that came from that is accelerating this quicker and quicker, just like that. They just all go down. And if anyone thinks, oh, we're seeing some pullback in the market, well, of course you are right now. The, the markets just had a $2 trillion injection of Fed money, but people don't really know what that means. That money, that $2 trillion was printed out of thin air, just like back in 2008, out of thin air. And the only place that money derives value is from your current dollars. It's called inflation. It's a hidden tax, folks. It, 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 every single time the Fed prints money, it's taking value from your current dollars, which is why the price of milk is more now, why cars cost more, why everything costs more in the future. They just printed $2 trillion and that's not going to do it. If you think that that's going to save this market, I think you need to look out your window and you need to really look at Main Street because people aren't back to work. The, mar the whole street is closed. Businesses are going out of business. People are being laid off and, and fired and let go every single day. The impact of what is happening right now is going to result in further fallout in the markets. I hate to say this, but I, I see a lot of similarities to the Great Depression right now. And if they, are, if they really hustle and get like a cure or a, an antibiotic for whatever you want to call it for this, this virus, that would be the only thing that really could stop this outside of that fear is going to run rampant. And this thing, because of the, the media and the digital age, is going to just keep crippling us and we could see depression like conditions now that should that's going to scare the crap out of people and it should but it should also wake you up and help you understand that this is the time where you need to get out of your chair you need if you're a business owner or you're in real estate it is the time where you get back to the front of the line and you start leading by example and you start taking back control of your life your money and your business because no one else is going to do it for you right now because everybody's too scared you either have the courage or you don't. And this is what is the similarity between every single other recessionary period. I don't care how far back you go. Leaders and multimillionaires and billionaires are made out of every recession. It is the single greatest wealth like generator of anything. And it's not because of greed. Everybody wants to say, yeah, because the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Bullshit. Sorry, I'm swearing on your podcast, but they need to hear that. It is not because of that. It is simply because somebody decided that in the time when everybody else saw an obstacle, they saw an opportunity to lead. They saw an opportunity to help. They saw an opportunity to give. Whatever that give is, maybe it's money. Maybe it's just going and helping an elderly person, you know, get them food. It doesn't matter what it is. Leaders 
are leaders, not because of any one thing they do, but it's because of the way they think and what they're willing to do when everybody else is pulling back. They're willing to go out and push harder. That is, so it's a long answer to what you asked, but that is the one similarity you will find in any recessionary period. When it comes to the markets, you're going to see people shorting the markets and making money. I say right now, if you're buying into the stock market at these levels, at this 20,000 you know, level on the Dow, you're foolish because it's going to go down. And if you are buying the markets, you better hope you love, 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 love the company you're buying. Because if it goes down another 20, 30%, you love that company and that management enough to hold through that. Well, if you do, you'll make a ton of money. And the same thing goes with every business. A lot of people say they see an opportunity, but they fail to act. And they're, they're, they don't know what being a leader really is. Because when times get harder and times get tougher and you have to start giving up things and things get taken from you, are you still a leader? Or at that point, you put your hands out and say, just give me what, give me what you can. Like, I'll take whatever. That's the difference, man. Times like this build leaders and build strong people. Hard times create strong men and women. And these are going to be hard times. I think that that's, again, all, all brilliant advice, and I could not agree more. I think what I've been telling a lot of people is this is the time that you either you get up or you give up. You know, you got to start pushing forward harder than ever, or you sit on the couch and you watch Netflix and read negative things on Facebook all day. And I can tell the guys that are out there hustling and getting things done, because to me, this is, this is not the time to sit back. This is the time to turn everything up. And I think a couple of interesting points you brought up there, one of them being the fact that if we're shut down until May 1st, almost two months of being out of work crippled that many people financially that they couldn't make their payments anymore after two months. Businesses are going under after two months. People can't, they don't have enough reserves to feed themselves or, or pay their expenses for their rent or their mortgage. And to me, that should be very alarming more than ever to, to get something done. And I do think that there's going to be a couple of things. Yes, there's people that are scared. I'm seeing on the real estate side that there's lenders that don't want to lend anymore. They're charging arm and leg if they are. Or there's buyers that aren't buying as much. But I think there's also people that are sitting at home kicking themselves going, I wish I would have you know, taken Chris's class a year ago or invested in that property with Nick a year ago or, or done something to get off my ass instead of just sitting there because the thing I was worried about happening happened. I did nothing and I lost it. And now what, I'm, what am I going to do? And if at least if I would have taken a little bit of risk and gotten a little bit bold or brave or daring and started doing something, maybe I wouldn't be in this position right now. And I think for everybody that's sitting at home that might go, this is it, I'm going to give up. There's somebody else that has that fear of missing out that's now going to jump in when things adjust. And, and I'm looking forward to that. But obviously, there's going to be people that they're, they're going to have to adjust their strategy. And this is when it's going to be time to get creative, have bigger spreads in your deals, make sure you're buying at the right prices, make sure you're talking to your lenders, you have the exit strategies lined up. So I did see that you're an expert in creative financing and creative real estate deals. So what are you seeing now? What are some of the things? Because it looks like a lot of the buyer's market strategies that we were going to, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago are going to become great now when you have people that are a couple of months back in the mortgage, you could do subject twos, or maybe get some seller finance deals on different things like that. And I think there is going to be an opportunity for private money. And this is going to be the time that those strategies are going to come back. And if you have them in your tool belt, again, it's going to keep you from being a dinosaur. This is when you can really step up and stay relevant for the next cycle and make a lot of money. So um, you living through yeah. that, that, what are some things that you're seeing, some tips, some advice, some, some um, you know, just some trending different types of strategies to, to adjust to what's going on? Well, I'm going to give some really good stuff because I want your audience to really take something away from this. And hopefully, you know, enough people learn this in time because some of this stuff is timely. First and foremost, let's go back to getting control of your money. 
if you can learn anything from what happened in the past, in 2008 and 9, that great recession, that fallout, one thing you will all remember is if you had lines of credit, working lines of credit for your business, personal lines of credit, home equity lines of credit, what happened to those lines? The bank took the option for you to get that money away. They froze those lines. So right now, if you have lines or you don't, if you don't have lines, go get them. If you don't have a home equity line of credit on your house, you better, you better get like, turn this podcast off right now and go and get a line of credit. Go apply. You can do it online. You don't need to leave your house. You guys all need to get control of your money. Now, what does that mean? And I want to be transparent. This doesn't work for everybody. And this isn't for everybody. If you're an entrepreneur or you're a real estate investor, this is paramount information. Your lines of credit, here's what I did. I went to every line that I had, which I had most of them paid off through my banking systems, my infinite banking stuff that I do. But I took every line of credit and I took all that money out. And people, people, when I told them I was doing this, they said, you're crazy. Like now you got all these extra payments. You know what? I don't care about the extra payments. I care about having control of that money. The payment is nothing. And if you are concerned about that, then you, the cost is only an issue in the absence of value. What is the value of not having access to your money? What is the value? Is it worth the cost to have access to your cash when you can take advantage of these things coming? Absolutely. I got all my cash. Then what I did is I then shuffled my cash. I didn't keep my cash in one bank because what else do you know about the government and banks? Well, if the government calls martial law, which we're not too far off, just so folks know, if they call martial law, the government controls your bank account. Do the research. Watch, you know, watch some things from Creature from Jekyll, or Jekyll Island and read the book or watch his YouTube. Martial law is no joke. And if you don't want to lose control of your money, we got to play the shuffle game. You remember the old game with the cups, you know, and the marble? Remember, oh, not that one, not that one. That's what you need to do with your money. Get all your lines of credit, then shuffle that money across many different banks, credit unions, community banks, commercial banks. Get it in different banks in $5,000 to $10,000 increments. Now, all of a sudden, your money's all spread out. So when you need it, you can redeploy that money very quickly. Me, I don't trust banks, so I use insurance companies. I take my money from the banks, and I put my money, and I, I wrote checks to all my, my specially designed infinite banking policies, okay? They're banking policies using insurance companies. That's what I did. All those now are way more secure. That's how I prepared. In all of you, whether you have the banking policies or just bank accounts, get your money in your control. The second thing you need to do, you need to learn how money works. You need to start figuring out and understanding this one thing. Everybody thinks when a market crashes like it is that money just disappears. No, it doesn't. It just changes hands. One person loses, another person gains. But also, money doesn't vanish. It changes direction. Where does that direction? Direction go, right? Well, the safest place. Money in the markets right now, people have zero faith in the stock market. Zero faith. And nobody wants to be in the market. So they want to make money on their money. People all have the exact same problem, as do every one of you. And all of you fit on one side of a coin or another. Either you fit on the heads, which is people that have money, and their problem is they want to make more. But they want to make more with less risk now. Okay. Then the other side of the coin, the tails, is people that need money to make more money. Well, all you need to do is learn the knowledge, which is the edge of the coin to bring the two together. And that knowledge is so simple. Understanding that money doesn't vanish, it changes direction and understand that it goes to the safest place. So what is that safest place? It could be you. Are you the, are you the light in the darkness? Is your deal, your real estate deal, your business idea, is that the light in the darkness? Well, I don't know. But all you need to do, if you need money for your real estate deals, I've, I've heard this three times today and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you guys all need my book, The Private Money Guide. Because the thing I heard, oh, we want to we wanna start marketing, but we, we just don't, we don't know where we're going to get money to do the deals. The hard money lenders aren't lending. 
Who cares that they're not lending? You know who is lending? Main Street, folks. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, they have the money. It's like Arby's. They have the beef or the meat or whatever it is. I'm veggie, so don't know that one. But they have the money. You just don't know how to approach them. And it's so easy because you know what? All you need to do to have them part of your deal, to get their money to fund your deal, is solve their problem. And their problem is right now, they're scared. They don't know what to do with their money. All they've ever been taught is to give up control and give their money to Wall Street and banks. That didn't work so well. So they don't know what to do. They're, they're lost, but they want to make money and they want to do it with safer and less. They want to do it safer with less risk. So if you got a real estate deal, how safe is real estate? Well, there's risk in real estate. Real estate can go down in value, but can real estate go to zero? Absolutely not. Can stocks go to zero? Absolutely, yes. So if real estate can't go to zero, and the nice thing about real estate is you can pivot and you can mold and you can evolve real estate into different things, right? You can buy it as a wholesale deal. Maybe that doesn't work. Great. You move it over to be a wholesale or a flip. Great. That doesn't work. Boom. You flip it over to be a rental. It's, it's almost like a chameleon. It can change and adapt. And if you know anything about nature and, and animals, they, the ones that are around the longest are the ones that can pivot and adapt to the new environment. This is the new environment. You need to pivot and adapt, and so do they. So what do you do? Well, you learn how to structure your deal. Your deal is the opportunity of a lifetime for Americans right now. It's, a, it's an opportunity of the lifetime for these people's retirement because a lot of these people, their retirement is in the markets or they just lost their job and they left their money when they packed up their office. That's a shame. Show them and teach them what a self-directed IRA is. Show them if they move their money to a self-directed IRA, they can then loan that money to you and be the bank. Now, there's a lot of learning to do here, but they don't need to learn at all. You do. If you need money and you want to be that, that light in the darkness, get, get financial knowledge. Learn that it's not about your actual resources that you have. It's about how resourceful you can be. Folks, I came from nothing, okay, from nothing, and I've done quite well. And I've done it because of being resourceful and learning that everybody has a problem. And the number one job for every single person, the number one thing you all need to learn is to solve people's problems. And those problems can be really small. Let me give you another tidbit of info. Let's say people have equity in their house, but they leave their money in their house because they're excited they have equity. Why that's exciting, I don't know. But you could teach them how to have their house pay for their car. And that's the discussion. You go to somebody and you know that they've got a house. They've, they've told you because they're in your primary circle that, you know, oh, my house is almost paid off or I got so much equity. You go to them and you say, you know, how are things doing? Oh, they're tough. I, you know, Jimmy lost his job and I don't know how much longer I'm going to have mine. We don't know how we're going to keep this house and pay for the cars. And you say to them and you say, what if I could show you how to have your house pay for your car? And what if I could show you how to not only have your house pay for your car, what if I can show you how to have your retirement accounts fund the payments on your house? And then they're just like, that doesn't make any sense. No, it makes all the sense in the world. You have hidden equity in your house and that money is literally just like lay, it's lazy. It's sitting on your couch every day when you're out hustling, eating your potato chips, drinking your soda, watching your TV. When you come home from a long, hard day, upset, beat up because you were out hustling because you've been taught to hustle, your money just looks at you and says, what, did you have a hard day? And your money did nothing. You need to teach your money how to go work. 
harder than you ever can. And everybody doesn't know how to do this. They just know how to give up control of it. They don't know how to make it work. So that's hidden equity. But what about retirement dollars? There's 40 some trillion dollars, well, maybe 30 now, a trillion in retirement accounts. And all that money is sitting idle right now, sitting idle or losing. What if you could then take your flip, your real estate deal, your business opportunity, and show them how they can use that retirement account to fund your deal and be the bank. And then you in turn will pay them a return of six, seven, 10, whatever rate you decide, because money's on sale right now. Hard money lenders are charging a lot because of risk and they're scared, but you know what? The rest of America's money is on sale. Learn how to be a magnet for that money by solving their problems. I know I went long with that, but we could go into retirement accounts. We could go into cash value life insurance. We could go into home equity lines of credit and I could just keep going down the line. There's so much money out there, folks. And the best thing is right now, you don't have to work very hard for it. You just have to solve people's problems. And if you do that, you will not believe how much money you have available to you for these real estate deals that are about to start presenting opportunities to you. I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanting to ask me about what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. People can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So if people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com, and you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. There's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process. I, I think that that's absolutely genius. And I agree with you 100% on the education being the thing. And people don't, I wouldn't say old people, but there's definitely a, a group of people that just, they don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about getting educated. And to me, that's the craziest thing because then they start to ask you about deals and they look like you have 10 heads because they don't understand exactly what you just said. Or I start to go into some, some numbers analytics on a property and they go, ah, oh. so what I have found is in, in my experience is basically two types of people, just like you said, people that are already investor savvy, they already have money, they want to make more money. So I can explain to them the opportunity because I'm educated enough to explain the risks and the rewards and all the numbers and the analytics and the ins and outs of the deal. So the deal is going to sell them on it because it's a good deal. And I know how to explain that. Then there's the other people that are going to go, I have no idea what you just said, but you sound like you did. And I'm going to invest in you because you sound like you're educated enough. So better you than me. And, and I think either way, getting that education so you can at least talk the talk to other educated investors or make people feel comfortable that don't know any better that are not going to take the time to get educated is going to completely separate people right now because the ones that know how to explain why this is a good time. And that's part of what I've tried to do. I, you know, I hosted a webinar the other night and I felt like an idiot doing it, but I was like, you know what? I want to touch base with some of my lenders. I want to touch base with some of the people that are now home going, this is the time I want to talk to Nick. And I've always been big on guys. We're making money right now. So that way we can take that money when everybody else is running away and make a lot more money. And, and I'll occasionally get the person who goes, I know I lent you for the last, whatever, two, three years, 10, 15 deals. I want to pull that out and I'll go, great. What are you going to do with it? Go, well, we're scared right now because we're worried that the market's going to drop. Okay, well, let's say it does. What are you going to do with that $25,000, $75,000? Well, here's my idea. Okay, well, let's write that out on paper. What did you make with me? 
So if we take this and then we go invest it there, look at what you can make versus your plan, which is really not a plan at all. You just feel safer holding that at home in a mattress or in a bank account or a stock that's going to lose it. And then they go, you know what? You're right. I want to give you twice as much of what I initially gave. And I had a feeling you were going to say that, but that's really what it is, is those conversations. And, yeah. you know, not to piggyback or segue too much, but that's why I think that there's really a, a it's a great time right now because there's a lot of people out there that are giving free information, good information that actually know what they're talking about. And I know you have a, a number of different places that you help people get educated on exactly the types of things you were talking about. So talk a little bit about some of the strategies for being educated and, and using some of that private money and why that's, that's a good thing to have. And then I definitely like to hear about all the different things you offer, like the flip out Academy, um, more about your books. And I, I've even gotten some things I know, We'll talk about how to find you on Instagram, but even some basic things today. I, I've been hit on multiple social platforms for your your mentorship and stuff like that. And every time I see more and more value in it, and I, it, it definitely interests me. So definitely talk about some of the things you're doing to help people learn how to have those conversations, get educated, know how to invest the right way with the right people and smart things to do with their money at a hard time. Yeah. So the, the first thing I'm teaching people to do is how to actually do what I'm, I just said. And you know, we talked about a lot and a lot of it might have went right over your head. But first, taking back control of your money. It's way easier than you think. So that's the first thing I teach people. But I don't just see knowledge is completely useless if it's not applied. Everything I do is all about application of knowledge. For example, you want to get money, go to your neighbor and say, I can show you how to have your house pay for your car. That is not like going to your neighbor and asking for money. The second you ask for money, you're, you're dead in the water. But if you solve their problem, I can, I can show you how to have your house pay for your car, or I can show you how to double the return on your 401k, or I can show you how to do this, solve their problem, whatever their problem is. That's the first thing you need to learn, but you need to not just learn that because that's easy to say you need to get down in needs and let me show you step by step by step what that looks like. And it's way easier than anyone thinks like money is not a complicated thing, but wall street and what I used to do, we make it very complicated because that's how we got paid. Like that's not how I get paid anymore. I can break down everything to a fifth grader and have them understand it. I just need to be able to draw it out. I'm very visual. So that's the things that I do. And then I love to show people is number one, where's all the money? Like right here, the book, you know, the whole book, I wrote this book in eight days on a trip to Mexico. And I wrote this book because people needed to know where all the money is for all the deals that they want to do, but not just where the money is, how not to ask for the money, how to be a magnet for money. And that requires knowing how to, how to structure your deal in a way that the simplest person is going to understand because you get into the numbers and they're going to, their eyes will roll back in their head and you lost them forever. They'll never come back. So don't go into the numbers, go into what the numbers do for somebody, the numbers, the returns, the profits, the rent, that's what pays for their car. That's what pays for one more vacation for them and their family. When we get done with this, that's what pays for their family to take one more beautiful dinner out with the family every single month. That's what people care about right now. People are cooped up in their house. They want to know, how am I going to pay for the next vacation? How am I going to pay for my college tuition? Think about those things. And then basically have your deal, your opportunity structured in a way that all it does is solves that problem. They don't care how much it profits. They don't, I mean, maybe they're excited about that if they're the right person, but most people, they just want to know, what does this do for me? What's in it for me? So show them that. This is what's in it for you. This is why. But you also have to understand that it's never going to be about the deal. Forget about the deal. The deal is important to you. It's not important to them. You are what they're buying into. You and your trust and your ethics and how, you know, your honor is what they're going to be buying into. That's it. Once you get past that, 
the deal could be anything. The deal could be this mug of coffee. This is what they're going to invest in. It's not coffee, it's tea, but it doesn't matter what it is. Cause once you've structured the trust in the right way through knowledge, okay, you got to have the knowledge and you then articulate the knowledge through demonstration of what it's going to do to solve their problem. That's, that's where the big thing comes. And I got another note over here. I was looking at, um, I, I write too much stuff down. So it's not about the deal, but also keep this in mind. And this is what's going to pave the way for you for the rest of your life. When people trust you and they basically do their first deal, that first deal is a trial. Okay. That is that main trial. And you need to always understand that it's not just about the return on their capital, their ROI. It's about their capital being returned to them. If you lose money on a deal, I don't care what you've got to do, dig and find it and pay them off. Even if you lose money, I've lost $40,000 on a deal and didn't have the money to pay the private lenders. But you know what? I begged, I, I, I borrowed, I found ways to do it and, and I paid them off. And then when I told them that I lost money, they said, well, why did you, how, how were you able to make us whole? I said, because when you signed that paper with me and you believed in me, you believed in not just the return on your capital, you believed in the return of your principal. And I'm honoring that commitment to you, even though I lost, I might've lost in this one, but I'm going to make it on the next one and the next one and the next one. And if I do this for you this time, you will trust me and you'll believe in me. And that will, that will go forever. That will never end. So those are some things. And the biggest thing I do is I have spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Actually, every year I spend probably a hundred grand going to masterminds, hiring mentors, having the most high profile coach of coaches coaching me and teaching me what do they do with money? Because if the multimillionaires and the billionaires of the world are doing something totally opposite of what everybody else in America is doing, why? You got to start asking yourself, why is it that they do the complete opposite of what we do? And the answer is because they know something you don't know. That is it. My whole book, like the mapping out the millionaire mystery, it's literally step into the secrets of the wealthy. Understand what the wealthy know. And what you will find is what the wealthy know is not some fancy algorithm. They know how to change one thing. And that one thing changes everything. But then most people, when they hear that, they're like, that sounds too good to be true. Oh, I heard that was a scam. I heard that that was a, you know, not real, I, whatever. Because they go on and they read the wrong information from the wrong people who think they know what they don't know. The biggest thing that wealthy people do is they know how to protect their money. But you know what else wealthy people do? When times like this happen, they don't have to do anything. They're billionaires, right? These people that, that I surround myself with, they're multimillionaires and billionaires. They don't have to do a darn thing. You know what they're doing? They get up out of their chair and they're in the front of the line saying, come with me. I'll show you the way for free. They're doing this. They're just blazing the path because they know and they know that if they give, if they give unconditionally and they give their best stuff away for free, it will come back and it will then it will make them even wealthier, not because they had intentions to be wealthy, but because they had intentions to give and to help people. That's what you need to be thinking right now. We're all on the level playing field. Sorry, I'm getting passionate about this, but this is what you need to know. This is what I teach. This is how I teach it, but I teach it in a very systemized step-by-step -step way to teach you these things that you have to be willing to get out of your chair and work and do things that no one else is willing to do. When everybody else is pulling back, you push. And even if you don't think you can push any harder, then push harder. That's it. I think that's awesome, man. And again, good on you for paying back those lenders. I have been in that position and I've had a lot of people bail on me in the middle of deals. And I said, you know what? I said I was going to pay that back and I'm going to figure out whatever I have to do to do that. And there's not a lot of people out there like that. There's a lot of people that wouldn't do that. So I do very much appreciate that there's guys like you out there that do what they say and say what they do. Um, so in closing, talk us a little bit through um, flipoutacademy.com, 
uh, the money school. I know you have a couple of different ways that people can find you. They can connect with you. They can learn from you. Um, talk them through a little bit of how to do that. Sure. I mean, the easiest way to learn what I do is my website, chrisnoggle.com. It's N-A-U-G-L-E. But the biggest thing I'm doing right now is, you know, when everything got spun upside down for me, my entire seminar company got grounded. I had to literally find a way to spread the message and teach people how money works. So what we created was Money School TV. And what Money School TV is the most selfless platform I've ever done, but it's the most amazing thing I've ever created in my life. It's $19 a month or $190 a year. Why is it so cheap? Because my wife said that's what I had to charge for it. We wanted to charge way more, but she said, America's in trouble and they need what you have and you need to basically just give it away for free. So that's what we did. And this platform gives you access to every single person in my network. Every one of those millionaires, multimillionaires, those real estate icons, those marketing icons, everything you would ever need, they're there. And what they're doing is giving their time to me because of my relationships and the monies I've spent and the times I've gave to them. They're giving me their time to literally do 15-minute trainings of their best stuff. Imagine getting a billionaire. They gave you 15 minutes, and in that 15 minutes, they gave you every tangible thing they could give you to deal with this time right now, exactly what we're going through. Well, I do that every single day. I've done three today. And then I do group coaching in a, in a live event where myself and my network, and we spend two hours group coaching. I do Facebook lives in a private channel. So a private group where we basically just do little tidbits every day. I showed today, I showed how to structure a deal and where all the money is every day. I'm doing this. I'm putting 100% of my resources, my knowledge and my team's knowledge into this thing. And people, you know, when I say it to them, they're like, wow, it's, that's it. That's all it costs. It must not be good. Right? No. It's for everybody. It's not just for the people that can afford an expensive program. I have $16,000 coaching programs and I'm not selling them right now. I'm selling this program because this is what America needs. They need guidance. They need tools and resources and they need step-by-step instructions on what to do with their money. And then they need to know what the opportunity is and then how they're going to act on that opportunity. It'll just, that's exactly what we're giving people. And literally I've never created something I'm more proud of. And, and for 190 bucks, that's what people can get. They can get that community. We call it the movement money school TV. And I can give you the link if anyone's interested in it. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll put all this information in the show notes too. So right when we publish, you can go and you can click away on that. But I think this has been awesome. And I really appreciate you giving me your time. The amount of content you gave in that hour was amazing. So I'm glad it was recorded. People can go back and listen to that. So um, Chris Noggle, any final thoughts for people in this crazy time right now before we let you go? I just think you just need to stop listening to the noise. Stop listening to the people that are telling you what to do that have never done it themselves. And it's the biggest problem right now. Honest to God, I hear it every day. People saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, that's not the right thing to do. Again, I'm just going to repeat what I already said because it's probably the biggest taking the biggest takeaway you can have. Will Rogers said the biggest problem is not what people don't know. It's what people think they know that just ain't so. Be so careful on who you get your guidance and your knowledge from, because if you get the wrong guidance and wrong knowledge from somebody that doesn't know what they don't know, you will never, ever recover from it. Wise words. Thank you very much, sir. Could not uh, thank you enough for giving me your time today and coming on the A-Gay Podcast. If there's any, ever anything I can do for you, please just reach out. I'm always here, and uh, I look forward to looking at your courses and learning from you in the near future. It was my pleasure. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, bye. 
If you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments, helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast, for the guests, and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'll only take a minute. I appreciate it if you guys could take the time. It would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you.